Listeners, welcome to this episode of Selling Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and today I'm talking to Blue Sphere Bio CEO, Dr. David Apellian. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts of solid tumor therapies and specifically Blue Sphere Bio's clinical programs. But before we do, David, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Aaron. It's great to be here. It's a privilege to speak with you. and I've enjoyed your other podcast, so I'm looking forward to uh, our session today. Oh, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Uh, okay, so you hold an MBA, an MD, and a PhD. And so what I want to kick off our conversation with is talk to us about how your both your professional and educational backgrounds have helped you to steer Blue Sphere Bio. Thanks. That's a great question. I, I think maybe the first part of the answer is that it enabled me to appreciate immediately the impact that this platform would have. So when I had my first conversation uh, with Dr. Mark Slomchik, who's the chairman of immunology at Pitt, um, we did a FaceTime call at five in the morning. I was working on the West Coast and he showed me the TC Express platform. And because of my experience in molecular biology and cancer vaccine, clinical work that I've done in medical work, um, I immediately recognized the potential of that. It was an aha moment. Um, and I kind of knew right away that I wanted to be part of this and help them build a business out of the technology. So I think the first part was having those multiple disciplines in my training and in my experience was a critical part of me recognizing the value right away. Um, actually coming in here now for two and a half years and, and building a company uh, around the platform, I think it's just been an amazing experience. I tell people it's my dream job. I get to work with expert immunologists, expert clinical developers, um, expert business people, we all speak the same language. We all understand those disciplines. And I think it just makes me better at what I do and it makes the company uh, just click and work better. So it's been an amazing experience so far and I'm looking forward to the future. Good, good. Well, thank you for that information. And that's kind of what I want to pivot to next. You mentioned uh, TCX and that's where I want to go. Uh, talk to us about Blue Sphere Bios, your clinical programs, but I want to start off with TCX 101. We'll, we'll move on to uh, TCX 201 next, but sure. TCX 101. So maybe if I may, I just want to highlight TC Express because it's basically the foundation on which 101 and 201 are built. Um, yeah, sure. So I refer to TC Express as the beating heart of the company. It's our rapid search and capture TCR platform. And it's enabling us to do programs like 101 and 201 by literally increasing the efficiency of TCR capture to orders of magnitude, where we can literally capture thousands of TCRs in a matter of days, not weeks and months and years at a highly efficient cost. And then it enables us to identify TCRs to use in programs like 101 for the treatment of high-risk leukemia in the setting of bone marrow transplant. I'm happy to expand on that. Uh, lead program, but also it really makes realistic and attainable the vision of personalized solid tumor therapy, where we can rapidly identify unique TCRs from a patient's tumor sample and truly personalize a TCR T-cell therapy for that single patient which targets their tumor. Um, and without the search and capture capacity of TC Express, we wouldn't be able to do that. So um, that's the basis by which we're building this company not only for our internal discovery and clinical development, but also for strategic partnering in other immune oncology areas, whether it's other cell therapeutics companies or by specifics like we learned today about immunocores breakthrough in terms of an approval for their TCR by specific. So the TCX 101 program 
is a really interesting and unique program. We're targeting what we call minor histocompatibility antigens that the recipient has that the bone marrow donor does not have. And it's, it's interesting in that it's a lineage specific marker. It's not a tumor specific marker, but it's uh, we're picking minor histocompatibility antigens that are expressed uniquely in the bone marrow compartment. And by doing that, we can engineer the bone marrow donors T cells to only recognize that unique difference between the recipient and the donor. And we can deplete the other T cells that cause graft versus host disease. So it's literally a way of shifting away from GVHD to a purely GBL or graft versus leukemia effect. By doing that, we should have three benefits to the patient. We should increase the immune pressure on the residual tumor cells that are still left behind after the conditioning regimen is complete and the treatments for the tumor are complete. We should improve engraftment by removing the residual uh, cells that the recipient still has in their bone marrow, which can actually interfere with engraftment of the donor cells. And we should dramatically reduce, if not eliminate GBHD, which is one of the biggest problems in bone marrow transplant. Mm -hmm. And it's the main reason why people are reluctant to use it, even in cancer patients. So this is, we think it'll be a game changer for bone marrow transplant. It allows us to leverage our TCR T cells to treat high-risk leukemics that require transplant the failure rate is still very high in that population. And the reason the platform becomes so important in the TCX 101 program is that we're gonna build a TCR panel that addresses multiple versions of these minor histocompatibility antigens to get population coverage. Because each of these minor antigen differences have allele frequencies and HLA preferences. So in order to cover the majority of patients in the population, we need a panel of half a dozen to a dozen of these TCRs that can match uh, the different HLA specificities of different recipients. And so that's our lead program. We're going to be filing that IND before the end of the year. Uh, we're very excited about it. Uh, we have a lead TCR that targets minor histocompatibility antigen number one. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a well-characterized antigen that's highly um, hematopoietically restricted. So we know that it's expressed only in the bone marrow and um, it's not expressed in normal tissues. So by engineering the donor cells to target MIHA1, we can really drive a GVL or graft leukemia effect and greatly diminish, if not remove the GVHD effect. And what's really exciting is that if it works in that way and we really eliminate or dramatically reduce GVHD, this could also be used in non-oncology situations where mm. to treat hematologic diseases like sickle cell or thalassemia, it could be used to treat autoimmune disease uh, where the immune system is essentially being replaced by the bone marrow transplant. So we can think of maybe treating refractory lupus, uh, MS, all kinds of diseases in the future based on this type of approach. Oh, hopefully that's wonderful, wonderful. But first I wanna talk through a little bit about solid tumor therapies that just sort of continue to uh, stymie the sector. Um, from your perspective, talk to us about what really needs to happen to make sort of significant strides in solid tumor therapies? I think there's some valuable lessons that we can learn from a related area, uh, chronic viral disease. We looked at some high burden diseases like chronic hepatitis C, high burden, highly mutable, high rate of escape uh, to therapies, HIV similar, HPV similar thing. And what we learned was we really have to hit these diseases with multiple targeted therapies. You, you kind of have to corner the disease from mutating and escaping away from the selective pressure of a single agent. It's very rare for a single agent to work in any complex high burden disease. 
And in a way, cancer is very similar to chronic viral disease. You see high disease burden, you see um, highly mutable and high risk of escape of those tumor cells because they're mutating all the time. And in fact, it's one of the things that I think is not fully appreciated by um, the wider audience is that a cancer isn't a homogeneous group of tumor cells that all have the same abnormal profile. It's literally um, an evolving complex mixture of cells that share some hits, share some neoantigens and not others. And so you can imagine, you can have the best targeted therapy in, with high potency. And what you're essentially gonna do in most cases is just immune edit that subset of the tumor cells. And then the remaining cells will continue to grow and mutate and, and mm -hmm. progress the disease. So I feel very strongly that um, we need combination therapy. Now in, in our case, uh, for the solid tumor program, our target is to get three or more unique TCRs that recognize unique antigens in the patient's tumor. So that's our goal. And, and from our early work with our virtual patient program, we're confident we can hit that goal for the majority of tumors. That in essence will create that combination pressure to prevent the immune escape or immune editing escape of the tumor. That being said, we're totally open to combining with other modalities such as vaccines, other immune modulatory agents. We think we have to really think broadly about how to cure cancer. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think it's gonna take a combination therapy approach no one 25 years ago, when I started in the industry in the late 90s, nobody thought hepatitis C was curable. We had response rates of 11%. Patients were taking, in my early studies that I worked on, 72 weeks of interferon with ribavirin, highly toxic. And to think that we now have 97, 98% cure rate with eight-week mm -hmm. regimens is stunning. And I think, I think that's the path we have to take in cancer. We have to be very... Um, thoughtful about combination therapies that will be synergistic with each other. Um, and our platform affords us the ability to get multiple TCRs to a single tumor. So our goal is to have a combination effect with our treatment, but that doesn't prohibit us from combining with other important immune modulating agents or other enhancements like checkpoint blockade or, or vaccines. So we're, we're keeping a very open mind to that. Yeah, that's great. I love that outside of the box thinking where, you know, you can you can incorporate other things into the possibility of curing cancer in other ways as well. That's great. Um, sticking on staying with the, the solid tumor discussion. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you think our cell and gene listeners may not already know about treating solid tumor cancers. Uh, not all of our listeners are directly involved in oncology. And so we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. Well, I think the first point to repeat is a tumor is a very complex organization of cells that is complex and diverse. So that makes it even more challenging to target. And every cancer is different. So cancer is really a, a litany of different diseases that we group into this category of cancer. But lung cancer is different than colon cancer is different than head and neck cancer. So we have to approach the complexity of that. But What's so exciting about these targeted therapies, TCR-based therapies and other targeted therapies is that we can start targeting the cancers based on their molecular features. And in 10 or 20 years, it may not matter whether it's a lung tumor or a head and neck tumor if we target the antigenic differences that make that tumor non-self. So I think that's one big piece of how we think about solid tumors. The challenge with solid tumors, and this applies to any high burden disease, um, these tumors present barriers to the immune system. 
by producing chemical gradients, uh, producing cytokines, messing with the body's ability to invade that uh, tumor uh, via the immune system to attack and kill it. So it really becomes a race against the immune system and the burden of the tumor. And when we see tumors emerging in patients is because the patient's immune system basically lost the fight and the burden overwhelmed the immune system's ability to, to reverse that tumor. So in, in one way, we think identifying the right TCRs to target the tumor in multiple different points and grow those as healthy T cells in large numbers and reinfuse that in the patient, we think can turn the tide on the burden issue. Um, I, did cancer, I did cancer vaccine development for about eight years at Golden Immune, and we would get great immune responses to the cancer vaccines. We would get really nice upregulation of cancer-specific T cells, but we could never get enough. It wasn't enough to reverse the cancers we were treating. Here, I think we can leapfrog that whole process by literally taking the patient's tumor and the process that we're going to run is we will receive the patient's tumor, and we're doing this currently in our virtual patient program. We receive tumors from University of Pittsburgh and the National Cancer Institute. And we take the tumor cells and we take a representative sample of those cells and we ship it for neoantigen processing. So we can identify the neoantigen repertoire from a tumor in one to two weeks. And it's getting faster and faster. Every, every year we get better at this. We also will take the infiltrating lymphocytes from that tumor and we will capture the TCR repertoire of that tumor, that very patient's tumor. And then we take these two repertoires and we multiplex them. So there's a very bottom-up process. We're not trying to predict upfront what T cells we're looking for. We're capturing these two repertoires by NeoExpress and TCExpress, multiplexing them and then identifying the hits. And then we invest the time in those hits. So we might get two dozen hits. We can then functionally assess those hits. We can look at the TCR specificity for the mutant versus the native version of the protein. We can look at the ability of that epitope from that neoantigen to stimulate activation of a T cell. We can look at the killing ability of a T cell with that TCR. We can look at the durability of the effect of that TCR T cell when stimulated by that antigen. So we can actually pre-test all the attributes that you would want for a TCR T cell therapy for a patient and then select those winners, and then put three or more of those back into the patient in high numbers in a healthy phenotype T cell. So that's our vision for the 201 program. We, we, mm -hmm. We're doing the virtual patient program right now to prove what our hit rate is, to optimize the efficiency of that, to scale it out. And then by the time we do a clinical study for solid tumors, it will be optimized and what we call professionalized in a production version so that we know the turn time, we know the hit rate, we'll be able to predictably get these hits for patients and deliver therapies for patients. Good, good. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the TC Express platform that you talked about at the top of our call and make sure we're giving it the attention it deserves. Um, now, in reading about Blue Sphere, I read that. So as you mentioned earlier, it's first test later this year, it's planned with the planned launch of a clinical trial in bone marrow recipients with high-risk leukemia. So talked a little bit about it, but I want to get more in depth of what you can share with us now and what we can expect sure. later this year. Sure. So our lead TCR targets minor histocompatibility antigen one, and that, that gives us pretty good population coverage based on the allele frequency of that uh, mutant or that minor histocompatibility antigen and the HLA preference of AO201. We could probably cover 15 or 20% of donor recipient pairs with just that one TCR T cell. 
And so we can, we're going to prepare that as a TCR plasmid. The manufacturing for this is pretty you know, straightforward. It's very CAR-T-like in the method of manufacturing in terms of um, having the pre-identified TCR in a plasmid so that we can then quickly uh, engineer the donor's T-cell to then uh, reinfuse with after the donor transplant occurs. So it's, it's taking advantage of that donor recipient event, that very well-controlled HLA-matched event, where we can take uh, the donor cells and engineer it to be very specific for that one difference, that minor histocompatibility one um, difference in the recipient. And, and again, by depleting all the other minor, minor antigen TCR T cells from the donor that they naturally have, we could then shift this all the way to a GVL effect or anti-leukemia effect and, and avoid all those horrible effects that you can see with GVHD, where you can get you know, very debilitating and even fatal inflammation of the, um, the non-target tissues um, in, the, in the recipient. So based on that model, we can then, we're already discovering TCRs to other minor histocompatibility antigens that are hematopoietically restricted. And we'll build a panel of these as an off-the-shelf panel of plasmids. So we're gonna be ready to go when we have that full panel developed. When the recipient pair is identified, we can identify just from simple PCR testing of which ones they match and which ones we can engineer into the donor cells. So it's gonna be a very um, efficient process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gonna take advantage of that well-characterized donor recipient bone marrow transfer event. Now, all the things I just described to you for this program can is analogous to how we would handle any shared antigen for solid tumor, whether it's RAS or MUC1 or a MAGE or PRAME. We would take the same exact approach to build a TCR panel to target the well-conserved epitopes in those antigens as well. So it, as exciting as it is going to be to treat high-risk leukemics in this setting and BMT setting, um, I'm excited also because it proves the approach that we could use for any shared antigen, any known antigen for solid tumors. And that's very complementary to what we're doing in the 201 program, which is in the absence of a shared target, um, patients are going to need a customizable way, a personalizable way to treat their tumor. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're basically hitting it from all ends. We're going to have those options for those patients as well. Oh, good, good. Excellent. Well, as the year goes on, we definitely want to check in with you to see how it's progressing. So expect to hear from us again with, with, for, for more information. Uh, I do have another question for you, and that's more of a, more of a general question with regard to the cell and gene sector kind of as it stands and as you know, a professional with your robust educational and professional background, wanted to get your thoughts on what you think the cell and gene sector needs to, to get right in the short term. And that could be anything from manufacturing to, gosh, pricing, which is a whole other <laughs> discussion. Uh, but weigh in for us, you know, if you, if you had to pinpoint maybe one thing or even two things, what needs to be really corrected really quickly? I think the most important near-term thing is for the companies in this sector to really build a partnership with FDA and health authorities to mm. accelerate uh, the way we get these therapies um, approved. And as an example, I, I go back to it again, but the HIV model, which was then used in hep C, by the way, um, the speed at which we advanced HIV combination therapies was stunning. And it was because the FDA opened the door to early combination studies, whereas traditionally you had to get data, robust data for each individual agent 
before you could even combine them. And it was it was slow things down by decades, honestly, to do those studies in sequence. And by allowing more aggressive combination therapy early in these development programs, where the benefit risk was still favorable, it, it still made sense for patients. So it wasn't cutting any corners in terms of safety. They applied that same philosophy to hepatitis C, and I was involved in many of those programs. And it literally shaves years and years off development because you can aggressively start to combine these agents together um, and see the synergies of them much earlier and invest in those combinations much earlier. So I think, I think if the agency can take those lessons from HIV and hepatitis C, and now it's being done that way a bit in Hep B as well, if we can apply that to do combination work in the immune oncology space, I think it's going to have a profound acceleration effect on identifying those real winning combinations early and developing them and investing the capital um, where it counts the most in those combinations. So that's my hope um, that we could take a similar approach with FDA and EMA and other health authorities to accelerate the early development, which could shave five or 10 years mm -hmm. off of the program time for some of these combination therapies. Yeah, and you're in great company with that uh, thought process because I can think of probably two or three uh, guest columns on cell and gene that are written by subject matter experts on that exact topic. So uh, you're, it's certainly a shared uh, concern and hopefully, you know, the FDA does move in the right direction with that. So hundred um, percent. We've kind of come to the end of our normal conversation uh, for the formality of it. But uh, so at the end of the the episode, I always like to talk to my guests about who they are when they're not at work. Um, and so uh, you're a little bit different from my normal guests, from my the guests on previous episodes in that, uh, from what I understand from your background, you've spent time in New Jersey, but as I can see over your shoulder, you're clearly in Pittsburgh, exactly. uh, based on the river, uh, one of the three. <laughs> and uh, I spent, I live in the greater Philadelphia area and I spend time down the shore uh, every summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've spent a lot of years in Pittsburgh, actually. So um, from a sports, one, are you a sports fan? I am, yeah, yeah. Okay. So inquiring listeners want to know, who do you root for? Are you are you New York? Are you Philly? Are you Pittsburgh? So it's a Not, funny none story. Of them? Growing up in New Jersey, as a third grader, I saw Franco Harris's immaculate reception against the Raiders back in the early 70s. Mm -hmm. And I just decided I'm a Steelers fan. And my brother and, and his friends would, you know, torture me over not being a Giants fan. And I, I've been a Steelers fan ever since. It just stuck. I just said, it was that aha moment, like this is a special team. Mm -hmm. And they did go on to win four Super Bowls in the 70s and two more. So I, I guess I saw something in that moment, right? Uh, so I'm still a Steelers fan. And um, it, it was kind of the same aha moment I had when I talked to Mark Schlumchick about TC Express, I, I was like, this is special. Yeah. And I find myself in Pittsburgh now. I, I'm, I'm here every week. I love it. It's a great town, by the way. Um, oh, the best. Amazing healthcare economy here, mm -hmm. an emerging biotech sector, great quality of life. I mean, the dining and the arts and the sports, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, and yeah, I'm a Steelers fan, believe it or not. It's hard well, to believe. you're in the but, right place. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Although it was a rough year, but yeah, my, my husband grew up in Western Pennsylvania and he is a diehard and I can't underscore it enough. Diehard Steelers fan. So I understand, I get it. Uh, and 
I couldn't agree with you more about the people of Pittsburgh are just wonderful, wonderful people and uh, just a great, a great city to be in. And uh, so best of luck to you and Blues for your bio. And where, where exactly are you in Pittsburgh? On Technology Drive, right on the Monongahela River. And yeah. you can see downtown right over my shoulder. And um, it's great. It's really, it's really starting to emerge. I think UPMC Enterprises is the venture arm of UPMC and they mm -hmm. have a billion dollar fund and they're investing in companies like us, local technologies. And it's, it's really exciting to see this really uh, blossoming um, right here in Pittsburgh. So, and, and regionally for Pennsylvania too. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Well, that about really does wrap us up for, for good for this episode of Selling Gene, the podcast. And uh, listeners, thank you so much for your time. And thank you too so much, Dr. David Apellian from Blue Sphere Bio for your time. This was wonderful. Thanks. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Absolutely. All right, listeners, we'll talk to you soon.